Last week, we looked at the story of Jesus being born from the perspective of Joseph. And we looked at the, the whole thing of him not wanting to, to, you know, get rid of Mary. To, you know, he didn't believe the story, which is certainly understandable. That he didn't believe the story of how she's now pregnant and, you know, they're just engaged. And, you know, I mean, that'd be a really difficult thing to swallow. And we saw the angel came to him and said his name will be called Jesus. But I want to ask you a question. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this before. But it said in the New Testament, so we got the entire Old Testament that's over here, 4,000 years worth. And it now comes on the scene. And here shows up Jesus. And it says his name will be called Jesus. So that's what we recognize him at now. So we pray. We pray to Jesus. When we pray in his name at the end of the prayer, it's not just a tag that we put on there. In Jesus' name, it's, it's attaching authority to it. But what was his name in the Old Testament? Because in the New Testament, it comes and says, in his name shall be called. It's like starting now, his name's going to be called. But we know that God was tri- as a triune being. So he's got three parts. There's Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So what, what was the name of the Son in the, in the Old Testament? What was that all there? So I want you to open your Bibles with me to John chapter 1. It'll be up on the screen for you. John chapter 1, starting in verse 1, says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Go back to verse 1. In the beginning was the word. I want to suggest to you that in the beginning is talking about in Genesis 1 when it says also first words of the Bible are in the beginning God created. In the beginning was the word. Jesus was the word. Jesus was his name, his title, everything that was wrapped up that we see here was the word of God. So in the Old Testament, when you see the word of God came, that's actually Jesus speaking through because the Holy Spirit wasn't sent to the earth until after Jesus left. I don't want to get bogged down too deep in that. But in the beginning was the word. So Jesus wasn't just hanging out in heaven as this non um, Entity that's just not doing anything. It's just kind of the kid that's just growing up over here, you know, just trying, finally grows up and now God sends him down. No, he was involved in, I love it, it says, and all things were made by him and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life. So when he says, I've come to give you a life, an abundant life, it's in him that we have life. Without him, we have no access to life. The Word became flesh. So the Word that is God in heaven, part of the triune being, part of the Trinity, became flesh, came as a baby. I was talking to somebody this week about their life and the struggles that they've got going on. And they were asking me about some relationships and should I be with this person or should not? Should I wait for them? Should I, what should I do? And, you know, I was just trying to, without telling them what to do, kind of give some guidance in there. And I said, but I said, you know, you're really not going to like what I have to say. And this person said, I want to hear it. Tell me, I, you know, that's why I like listening to you. I said, well, your life will never be complete without God. And then it's like the deer in the headlights looking like, oh, oh, I didn't want to talk about God. And I'm like, but 
I take my iPhone, I pulled it out, and I said, if this, something goes wrong with this, can I fix this? I could try. I got some screwdrivers. I got some tiny screwdrivers. I can, I can get it all broken apart. But I don't have a clue how to fix my iPhone. My son, when he got the first iPhone, he broke it somehow, and he was convinced that he could fix it. And Alec just took it all apart, and it, it's amazing how many pieces there are in this little tiny phone. And then he could never put it back together again. I said, you know, I can try, but I don't know how to do this. I said, but if there's a problem with this iPhone, where am I going to take it? I'm going to take it to the Apple store because they're the ones who made it. They know what to do. I said, it's the same way. God created us. So why would I try and fix my life on my own? It's going to end up like that iPhone. It's just going to be a bunch of broken pieces in my hand. Take it to the one who made it. She just looked at me as like, Ugh. but in him was life. This past week on Wednesday, we had a movie night, and it was, it was so great. And we're going to do this every year because it's so much fun. We had the popcorn machine, and I popped some popcorn and put it in there. We had, you know, hot chocolate here. We had all this stuff, and we watched the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. And it's been a while since I watched it, and I found myself in tears watching this movie that's made in the 30s or whenever it was made. And I'm not really one who likes old movies. I'll just be honest with you up front with that. But... It so spoke to me. Maybe you remember the story. There's the angel who's second class. He hasn't got his wings yet. His name was Clarence. And he was being dispatched down to earth to take care of George Bailey. Now we find, we pick up in the story that George Bailey's got so much stress. He's got all these things that are going against him and all of life. And there's no way out from what he can see. And he ends up on a bridge about to jump off to take his own life. And the angel, second class, Clarence, was dispatched by the head angel. And he says, I need to send you down there to take care of this guy, George Bailey. He said, what's wrong with him? Is he sick? And the angel said, no, it's worse. He's discouraged. And it just hit me. Looking at that movie, it's like, isn't that the worst? I, when we got sickness going on in our body, it's really bad. And, you know, the, the, all the different things that are going on, we get so many prayer requests that come in on that. But, man, the ones that's against our, our mind and our emotions and all that, isn't that worse? Have you ever had sickness that wasn't just in your body, but the sickness was in your soul? If you have, you'd probably agree with me that it is the worst. To be sick in the heart, to be discouraged, because everything seems to be dark. Everything seems to be negative. Nothing seems to be right. You can look at somebody else walking down the same street, breathing the same air, and they're smiling, they're happy, but you can't see anything happy, anything good going on. And yet that's where we find the story of Jesus' birth. It was in the most unexpected time. God had not spoken for 400 years. The last scripture that was recorded of God talking was Malachi. That's why it's the last book of the Old Testament. He stopped talking. They're like, where did he go? 400 years. Think about how many generations that is of people having kids and their kids dying and having kids and going on. And, and this whole thing. So put that into context when 
we pick up the story that an angel appeared to this 12-year-old, 13-year-old girl, Mary. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. And God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Verse 29 says, Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Now, again, put that into context. God has not spoken. There's not been anybody seeing an angel. Probably they haven't even heard of anybody that's ever seen an angel. For 400 years, here's this girl who just barely is getting her feet on the ground for, you know, being a woman and, and just trying to figure out. And here she's engaged to be married. And then an angel shows up in her bedroom. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. He says, don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, And he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy. And he will be called the Son of God. What's more, you're relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. Now, Mary's got this... Um, distant relative Elizabeth who's super super old and her husband's one of the priests in the temple and and there's just it's way beyond the childbearing age that like they'd already given up there's no way we're gonna have kids and previously the story and if you're reading through the book of Luke with us as a church you have read that story that you know an angel came to her husband and said hey you're gonna have a baby and sure enough she had a baby. and So he's telling Mary here about that. He says, what's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a, a son and is now in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible to God. I love how the angels just put these little gems in there and just kind of like throw these things in there. But man, that's like, poof, for nothing it is impossible to God. I love it. it. says, people are talking about your aunt or your cousin or however she was and says, you know, she's too old. There's no hope for her. And the angel's like, but nothing is impossible for God. That's not even my message, but man, I'm getting excited about it. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said to me come true. And then the angel left her. Another translation of that says, be it unto me according to your word. And I like the way that's phrased because I I see that this 12, 13 year old girl's like, I don't understand how this can be, but I know you, God, and I trust you. So let it happen according to your word. Because if this is just some crazy dream, if I'm hallucinating on something, if I'm just water deprived and I'm just seeing this, then nothing's going to happen. But God, by your word, I'm going to say, let it happen, according to me. Verse 39 says, A few days later, 
Mary hurried down to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived, and she entered the house and greeted Elizabeth, her, her relative. And at the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leapt within her. So she's six months pregnant, so this baby's jumped inside of her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Now, as I was reading through this this morning, finalizing my message, just several things about this whole story just jumped out to me. Mary has this encounter with an angel, tells her she's going to be impregnated by the Holy Spirit, that God is going to uh, form a child inside of her, which is enough to make your brain explode right then and there. Told her about her cousin, and it says right after she got this word, so she's just barely, barely, barely pregnant, all right? She takes off and goes to her cousin's house, her aunt's house, whatever she is, to Elizabeth's house, and as she walks in, I can't you just see she's kind of still going, I don't really know what's going on here, because it said immediately she went. Elizabeth is six months long, and she knows that she's got this great miracle going on. And the whole story, you can read it in, the, in, chap, in Luke, it talks about her husband. God says, you're going to mess this up if you talk. So he's been mute. He can't say a word. He can't even tell about what happened with the angel with him. And so here's this whole drama going on. And Mary comes walking in, and this baby starts jumping inside of Elizabeth. And Elizabeth's words to her. The baby inside of you is blessed. That baby was a day or two old. Probably not even big enough to find on our most sensitive technology. Today you wouldn't even see it. But Elizabeth recognized it. The Holy Spirit that was inside of her recognized that. The baby that was inside of her already recognized the presence of God that walked in the room with Mary only a couple of days. That was just amazing to me. Verse 33, why am I so honored, this is Elizabeth speaking, that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. I don't know where you're at today, and this isn't even part of the message, but You will be blessed as well if you believe what the Lord has said. What he tells you when you're reading the Bible, when you're praying, and he gives you a word, and it doesn't look like it could happen. This look is impossible. There's no path that this is ever going to work. Elizabeth was sitting here going, there's no way I can ever have a child. Everybody I know is talking about me that I'm barren. I'm never going to have a child. And they're all, their kids are probably already having grandkids by now. And, and there's no way, there's no hope for me. And she says... Because you believed what the Lord would say. Look at me. I mean, can't you see Elizabeth's brain is just poofed as much as Mary's is? Like, I mean, can you imagine being that old and all of a sudden coming to find out you're pregnant? It's like, what a shocker. What a, oh my gosh, and our life is turned upside down for good, but it's like, oh my gosh, and here she is. Yet this was in the darkest time in history. As I said, it was already nearly 400 years since Malachi, since we heard anything from God at all. 
It was also politically dark because the Romans occupied and governed Israel. So Israel couldn't even do what they wanted to because the Romans had control over everything going on. Mary and Joseph were relationally dark. Everyone thought that she got pregnant outside of marriage. Man, they're, they're starting off with some struggles going on in their life. We looked at that pretty depth last week. That here, Mary is pregnant and Joseph doesn't believe it. And he wants to just kind of like get her off stage left really quick. So he maintains his integrity. And the angel says, don't take her. So then he takes her. So then it looks like they are the ones who both made a mistake outside of marriage. They're both now having to face the the stigma of everyone judging them and talking badly about them. It was also dark seasonally. We even celebrate Christmas at the darkest time of the year. December the 21st is when the winter solstice starts kicking in. and It's the longest day of the year that we have the least amount of sun. We're in the dark time. It's been so dark here even lately at night and the fog rolling in. and It's just this cool look, but it's dark everywhere. Luke chapter 2 verse 8 says, Now in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields were keeping watch over their flocks by night. So even in this setting, it's not only the darkest time in, in the history of what's going on, but it's even dark at night where these guys are hanging out. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them and said, The glory of the Lord is shown all around them. And they were greatly afraid. He goes on to tell them about the child that is being born and this huge lighting up. And you see the, the depiction of it, you know, and, and paintings and everything. This angelic host just all hanging out in the sky, just, just like, just there, just like the light beams. Can you imagine? You're out in a field and you're used to being out in the field because this is what you do for a living. And you're just hanging out there and it's dark and you're just kind of like, I wonder what tomorrow's got. Oh yeah, we're just going to walk around and, walk and follow some sheep again. And, you know, just hanging out and all of a sudden, bam, the whole heaven lights up and you got all these angels there and you can see them and it's like can you imagine but what do we do when we face darkness when like mary was faced there was dark times there's depressions or we're afraid or like good old george bailey we're discouraged can i suggest to you that everyone has times of discouragement You know, on the outside, you may be going, ho, 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 it's Christmas, man, it's great. But on the inside, the real you, you're going, whoa, 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 it's not so great inside. We can fake it really good to everybody around us. And maybe you're faking it right now, but you know it and you feel it. This time that we're in, Christmas time, it may be a dark time for you. Then I'm suggesting this message is for you. If you say everything's going to be good and everything's just going perfect, you don't have any problems in the world, then you need to just file away this message, take some notes, and get ready because there's going to come a day that you need it. And you may say, Pastor Kevin, you need to be more positive. I'm positive you're going to have a bad day and you're going to need this message because we all have bad things that happen to us. We all have struggles. I cannot tell you the struggles that I've talked with people this week. A couple kept me up from sleeping two nights in a row. And just, to, I couldn't get past it with everything else I had to do. I had to function in life. But all I thought about is that situation that I'm praying for. And not knowing if someone was dead or alive. 
was actually on my way to go knock on the door and hoping someone would answer. Last night, this person finally texts me. I'm like, <gasps> that weight is still on me. This person isn't out of the woods yet. If you saw the Facebook post yesterday, that we're, we're praying for someone who's sitting on the verge of taking their own life. And, and, and I'd love to tell you, it's just one person, it's just one isolated incident, but I cannot tell you the number of people that I've talked to in the last three weeks that told me they've seriously contemplated and got really, really close. And a couple of them told me they had a whole thing planned out exactly how they're going to do it. And I'm like, I know, I was there myself years ago. We all need this message at some time in our lives. Luke chapter 2 verse 10 says, The angel said to them, Do not be afraid. For I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Last week we looked at God sent Jesus and, and the angel talked about it because his name will be Jesus because he's going to be the savior of the world. But he said his name's also going to be called Emmanuel because he's God with us. And we dug really deep. And if you didn't hear that message, I encourage you to go back and listen to it on our app and you can hear. It. But God with us isn't just for us to say, okay, yeah, I, I, I met Jesus and, and that's that or he died for my sin. That's wonderful. That's great. But he wants to have a personal relationship with us. He wants to have a personal relationship with me. So what do you do when nothing is working out? When that, like that fog that rolled through this week is depression, is discouragement like George Bailey. You need to be anchored. That means you got to grab onto something that isn't moving. That you set your course and if you talk to somebody who used to be a sailor years and years ago, they would tell you that they would look at the northern star and they would set their course on that. Because it doesn't matter what the storm that's going on around them and how everything and the horizon is changing, it's rising and falling. If they can set their affection, if they can set their gaze, if they can set their course off of what they see up in the heavens... They can ride through the storm knowing that's where they're going. I'm going to suggest you, it's the same way with us. If we set our affection and our course off of heaven, if we say, I'm going to read the one-year Bible, and I'm just going to believe God that he's going to speak to me today in this thing. Man, I've got the storms just rolling in. I've got discouragement that's just trying to take me over. I'm going to, it's December the 24th. Let me find what the, what the scripture is for December the 24th. And I'm just going to start reading that. And it just takes a couple of minutes. I'm going to get anchored in my soul. Hebrews 16, uh, 6, verse 19, excuse me, says, we have this hope to be an anchor for the soul. We have this hope. We need hope to be our anchor. What is hope? It's that thing that we're grabbing onto God of. There's not anything tangible I can, I can reach and say, I, I feel God's presence, but I, I can't grab it. It's the hope that's in there. See, for many people, hope is just something they do. I hope the Cowboys win. I hope they win the Super Bowl. I hope they win every game. Okay, that's not the hope I'm talking about. For believers, hope is something that we have. It's a gift from God. In fact, 
It's something you can leave here today with. For those people who are listening to the message, and it's really amazing to me every week when I see the stats of people all over the world are listening to our podcasts and people watching the stream and people watching our videos when we upload them there. People all over seeing this. So I don't know where you're at, but wherever you're at today, you can have that hope today. Romans 15, verse 13 says, May God, the source of hope, fill you with joy and peace through your faith in him. Then you'll overflow with hope. May God, the source of hope, fill you with joy and peace. Then you'll overflow with hope. We find hope in several different places. If you're taking notes, I'm going to give you a couple of things that you can write down. Number one, we find hope in God's presence. When we worship him. We've got all kinds of things that are going on around it. And I just described the, the tempest seas and the, the depression rolling in like fog. And all of these different things. And it's like, man, I don't know what to do. And I'm, I'm going to read God's word. And I'm, just go find a worship playlist. And just let it start filling the air. Even when there's times that you don't even have words I've been there so often myself. I, don't even, I can't even articulate to God what I'm feeling. He knows what I'm feeling. I've asked him so many times. I've kept bringing the same thing to him. I'm feeling this weight and it's just bearing down on me like a backpack filled with bricks. And I just feel like I'm just cr- being pulled down. And I just start worshiping God. Something changes in God's presence. Psalms 62 verse 5 says yes my soul will find rest in God maybe some of you are listening this morning rest is something you haven't experienced in a while you can find rest in God my hope comes from him what I'm anchoring my life on comes from him like I said you're catching on to that heavenly point of reference and say okay That's what I'm going to go to because I know that's not going to change. No matter what's changing on around me, that's what I'm going to latch on to. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. And again, that's another place that we looked at um, several weeks ago. It says, I will not be shaken. That doesn't mean there's not shaking going on around you. That means that I'm going to stand. Even when everything around me is going crazy, I'm able to stand because God is my hope. Isaiah 40, verse 31 says, but those who hope In the Lord, there it is again, hope. Once they anchor in heaven, once they say, I'm going to fix myself on you, God, whose hope is in heaven, will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles, and they will run and not grow weary, and they will walk and not be faint. Now, it's an interesting thing, and I, I, could, I could do an entire message just on this one scripture, but I just want to kind of give you a couple of cool little things here. Do you know the difference between an eagle and every other bee, a bird that there is? They're the coolest of all the flying um, birds that there are, first of all. I mean, they just kind of sit up there like, hey, what's going on down there? I mean, they're just cool. But they're the only ones, I don't know if you know this or not, but they're the only ones that don't flap their wings, All the others, to get off the ground, they're sitting there doing this, and they're flapping their wings, and they're trying to work it, work it, work it, work it, and sometimes that's a me. Sometimes that might be you, like, I'm going to try and make this happen. 
God says, but if you're going to rest and find your hope and be anchored in me, you're going to be like the eagles. And what the eagles do that's different than anybody else is they find their way to the top of the rock. There's a message there. I'm not even going there. And they'll just simply stick out their arms like we would stick out our arms in worship. They stick out their, their wings and they wait. And when that wind comes from underneath, that which would cause other birds to be knocked down and and mess them all up, it's what brings them up, and then they just simply let go, and they soar. The eagle will soar where every other bird has to flap their wings. And that's the thing that God is saying here. They will soar on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not be faint. See, because if you're just sitting there worshiping God, and you're sitting there saying, God, I'm waiting on you because it's you. I've given this all over to you. So I'm just waiting. I'm not saying, I'm not going to get weary. I'm not going to get tired because I'm sitting here waiting on him. Number two, God's promises. I can fight the things that come against me. I can get anchored in on hope by getting into God's promises. Study the Bible, the one-year Bible. We've already talked about it. January the 1st is coming up. We're going to start reading through this as what we're doing. So January 1, I encourage you, I challenge you, I I, I beg you all to get the one-year Bible. In January 1, when you wake up in the morning, just open it up and just crack it open and we're all going to be reading the same thing. Can we just read through it together? Number three probably not one you want to hear it's probably my least favorite as well it's God's process God has a process and he's not worried about our comfortability sometimes oftentimes I mean just a flood of stories in the Bible just come to me as I say that Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego he wasn't worried about them being thrown into the fire he's worried about what they're going to do in the fire Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. He wasn't worried about if Daniel was scared about being thrown in the lion's den. He's worried about what Daniel was going to do in the lion's den. And I could go on and on and on. God's got a process. Joseph spent 16 years in prison. Misunderstood. Judged. God's process in our lives does not happen in my timetable. It doesn't happen when I think it needs to happen right now, God. I think it happens right now, God, because I can't hold this much longer. He says, trust me. Let me do it in my time. Can I suggest you, it's like going to the doctor, and you don't feel good. And they say, you need a steroid shot, or you need something. It's like, I already don't feel good, and you want to poke me with a needle? Are you crazy? I can endure that pain, because I know it's going to be better. How about working out? Clearly, I'm not one who can speak from personal ex- uh, experience here. But working out, you go there and it, it hurts. The, the noises you hear in the gyms, you hear all these things because it's, it's, it's hard. But why do they endure that pain? Because they know this muscle is going to get bigger. They're going to get up there. They're going to do all this stuff. They're, what they're, they see the results of that. They will endure through that pain. They'll endure through the process. I just want to tell you that I purposely don't go to the gym because that's my gift to all the women. I don't want to make them sin. So that's just my gift to them. No, just joking. Number four is God's purpose. 
Why are you here? The number three of our four tenets is discovering your purpose. Part of the growth track is to come and find out why God has you here. Discover your purpose. Can I tell you, just, I, I get the opportunity to explain the church to many people all the time and kind of tell them that we're not your average church and we don't do things the way that most people will necessarily do them. And, and can I tell you the best way that I found and mentored down through Church of the Highlands, the best way to pastor you isn't to help you solve your problems. That may be a shock to you. Because even if I spent all this time one-on-one with you and I helped you and we were able to solve the problem that's right in front of you, guess what? Tomorrow another problem's going to crop up. And then another one's going to crop up. And through our entire lives we're going to have problems they are going to crop up. The best way I can pass you isn't to help you solve your problems but to show you that there's something in life that's bigger than your problems. Because once you see that, you're able to go up to the top and you're able to soar and say, God, I trust in you. Tommy Tenney told this story about taking an airplane ride with his daughter and they're sitting on the tarmac and they're taking off and as they're, as they're flying, they, they start separating from earth a little bit and her, her, his daughter says, Daddy, look, there's tiny people in tiny cars. He goes, no, honey, they're not. They're regular people. They're big like you and me. She says, no, I see them. They're tiny people, Daddy. Tiny cars. See, those people didn't change. Their perspective changed because they're soaring up above the problems. We'll never get away from problems, but discovering your purpose in the midst of problems make your problems not seem as big as they used to. Your problems get smaller in the light of why you're on this planet. Why did God create you? Why are you here now? Why weren't you here 200 years ago? Why weren't you here 3,000 years ago? Why aren't you here 100 years from now? I mean, why now? What's your purpose? See, George Bailey discovered. He discovered the meaning of the blessing of his life. His perspective changed. When he saw the impact of his life if he wasn't here and how he'd helped his brother who then helped save these other people because he wasn't here to save his brother that those planes hit that and all these people die and all these, this domino effect to go watch the movie if you haven't watched it. It's a great Christmas movie. He came back and in the same situation with the same problems, with this, he was going to go to prison, he's going to be, you know, just ridiculed, he's going to lose his reputation, and he was so happy to see his family, so happy to see his wife, so happy with everything. Nothing had changed yet. He had changed, his perspective had changed, his problems had not. In closing, you hear me talk about Jeremiah 29, 11 very, very often. Let's look at it. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. And to give you, what? Hope and a future. Hope and a future. See, the baby Jesus was born in a manger. He came to be light and to show you how to live a life 
live to the full. Will you bow your heads? Close your eyes with me. Tonight we'll have a candlelight service here. You guys see the candles all laid out here. We have a little one for every one of us and we're going to have just this cool, cool experience. I hope everyone's here. And we're going to read the entire story of the baby Jesus' birth. But this morning you can have the hope that I've talked about. The way out of darkness to combat discouragement and depression. His name is Jesus. It really is that simple. You say, man, that sounds way too simple. I mean, there's got to be something I got to work up and I got to do. No, it's being up on the top of that rock and just simply sending your arms out to the side and say, I surrender, God. I surrender. I'm going to stop flapping my wings. I'm going to stop trying to do it all myself. I'm going to put my hope in you. If that's you this morning, wherever you're at, and all the different places you could be hearing us, watching us, if you say, count me in, I'm ready to give God a shot. I'm ready to set my affections and my course off of Him, off of heaven. I just want you to say this prayer. I'm just going to help you with the words. You don't, need, you don't need to say it out loud because this is between you and God. Say, God in heaven, thank you for sending your son as a baby to live and later die in my place. To pay for my sins so I don't have to. I ask you to forgive me for living my life on my own flapping my wings without you. Jesus, please forgive me. I surrender everything to you. Be the Lord of my life. Be number one. The best way I know how. I'm going to live for you with all my heart. Today, I give you my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Father, I pray for everyone who's prayed that prayer for the first time, Lord, or another time. God, I pray for all of us that we will be challenged by the points to surrender our lives to you, to not flap our wings, not to try and make it happen in my own strength, not to wear myself out trying to make it happen, but I'll simply worship you. I'll put on a worship CD, playlist. God, I'll read the one-year Bible and find out what you're telling me for each day. I'll, I'll get involved and discover my purpose. And Lord, all of these things that you've got to have hope that's anchored inside of me. Lord, that's a message not for those, only for those who are finding you for the first time. Lord, that's a message for those of us who've been in you forever. Been saved for a long, long time. God, we still need to anchor our heart anchor our soul, anchor our course in the hope of who you are. I give all this to you. Thank you, Jesus, for coming as a baby. Thank you. In Jesus' name I pray.